Our first reading of scripture this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, verses 28 through 32. Uh, Hear now the reading of God's word. And when he came to the other side into the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men confronted him as they were coming out of the tombs. They were so extremely violent that no one could pass by that way. And they cried out, saying, What business do you have with us, Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now there was a herd of many pigs feeding at a distance from them, and the demons begged him, saying, If you are going to cast us out, send us into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. And they came out and went to the pigs, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. This is the word of the Lord. One more text, James 2.19. One verse. James writes, You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. This is the word of the Lord. James 2.19, you believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. Today we participate in the Lord's Supper. Today we sit at the table of our Lord Jesus Christ and we are going to commune with Him. We're going to, as 1 Corinthians 10.16 says, we're going to share in His body and in His blood. We do not believe that when we eat and when we drink that we are literally partaking of the bread. The bread becomes the body of Christ or the wine becomes the blood of Christ. But we do believe something is happening even more than just remembering. We do remember what Jesus did years ago. We remember the event where his body was broken. And we remember that time when his blood was poured out. But we do more than remember. We commune. We participate. There's something happening. Maybe we don't understand it. Uh, Martin, I'm not Martin Luther, but John Calvin tried to explain it like this. He said, think about the sun. And I checked, you know, I think I, think, uh, I, I checked. It's, I think we were taught years ago the sun is 93 million miles away, but I checked. And my, my Google tells me it's 94 million miles away. So the sun is 94 million miles away. And... The sun is not right here in our presence, but we do know it influences us, doesn't it? We go outside and what? how does it influence us? <laughs> we know how it influences us. It gives us light, but it also does something else down here in Houston. It gives us too much heat, right? We feel it. So the sun is 93 million miles away or 94 million miles away, but it gives us light and it also influences us with warmth a little bit, maybe too much. Jesus' body is in one place at one time. His human nature is only in one place at one time. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. But he says here, the Paul, Paul tells us, that we are participating in his body and in his blood. How do we do that? Well, we do it with faith in our hearts and we receive spiritually from Jesus as we eat and as we drink. Now, maybe we don't quite understand all of that, but something is happening we receive from Jesus communion. We receive grace in this way that readies us for tomorrow and for the weeks ahead. 
Before we eat, we are also told that we are to examine ourselves in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven through 29, that we might commune in a worthy manner and not eat and drink judgment upon ourselves. And so this morning, in order to, to think about our faith, or to think about our faith, am I ready, is my faith ready to eat? Do I have faith ready to feed on Jesus Christ? I want us to look at James 2.19. Do I have a faith, the faith of a demon, or do I have true saving faith? They're very different. We're going to find out that they're very different from one another. And we've read Matthew 8, 28 through 32, and we're going to look at James 2.19. We're going to ask ourselves, do I have the faith to feed on Jesus Christ? A doctrinal faith, a faith that is emotional, and a faith that's committed, or do I have a faith that's just doctrinal, a faith that maybe has a lot of emotions, but is full of deficiencies? That's what we're going to look at today. What kind of faith do I have? One will allow me to sit with Christ, and one will cause me to seek Christ for salvation. Now, here's the first point. The demons have faith. Look at verse 19. The demons also believe. Now, who are these demons? Well, demons, the Bible tells us, are angels. They're creations of God. They fell away with Satan when he rebelled against God. They're supernatural spirits. They're evil. They're malicious. They do the devil's bidding. They seek to possess human beings. We see in our text they seek and possess even swine and rush down the hill and drown them. They are going to go to torment. They're rebellious against God. They're rebellious against Jesus. And we see in our text that they're kind of worried when they're in Jesus' presence about being cast into torment before the time, before the day of judgment comes. These demons, that's who they are. The demons also believed. Even though they believe, they're still not going to heaven. They're not going to a place of eternal life. These demons are going to torment. The very word that's used in James 2.19, where it says the demons also believe, that same word is used in John 3.16. For whosoever believes, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, same word, same word, believes in Jesus Christ shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But there's a difference. One ends in torment, one ends not perishing, but in eternal life. And so James, what is he doing here? Well, he's trying to shake his audience up. He's trying to say, are you self-deceived? And he's trying to shake us up as well. He doesn't want us to be deceived. Hey, there's people who say, all is well. I believe. I know all the facts. I know all the doctrine. I can go and pass a seminary test. I can go and give all the answers. I have lots of emotional experiences. But do you have... Jesus Christ, are you personally attached to Him? Are you somebody being transformed into His likeness? And are you somebody who's obeying Him from a heart of love? That's what real faith is, and these demons don't have it. And James wants to wake us up and say it's not just knowing doctrine, and it's not just knowing you're having emotional experiences, but you have to have a personal attachment to Jesus Christ or your faith lands you in the wrong place at the end. So let's look at this. First of all, we see the demons have faith. Second, I want to show you the elements of the demons, their faith. Demon faith is doctrinal. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe. Demons are orthodox. I remember the first time when I was 
started thinking about being an Orthodox Presbyterian. You know what Orthodox means? You know what, the, you know what it means? Straight. Now, we like to be straight. I like to be straight. I like to be straight line. I want to be a straight line. I want to be doctrinal. I want to believe the true things. And you know what demons believe? They believe that God is one. Where do, you get, where do we get that in the Bible? Now, these, I got, there's a few preachers in there. They all know that comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. In Deuteronomy, we call it the Shema. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And then it says that you are to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And these demons, they know that. They know that God is one. They know that there's one true and living God. They know there's not a plurality of gods. They know there's one God. And they are to love Him. The second thing the demons know is this. They know who Jesus is. Remember what it says there in Matthew 8, 28-32. The demons confront Jesus and say, What do we have to do with you who? Son of God. In another place, it says this. We know who you are. <laughs> You're the Holy One of God. The demons know who Jesus is. They confess, I, I, I thought about this. They confess Jesus in Matthew 8. And guess who confesses Jesus in Matthew 16? They get there before Peter does. In Matthew chapter 16, Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. The demons already know that. The demons probably knew that way before Peter knows that. They knew it all along. They know who Jesus is. And these demons also confess Jesus' authority over them. Listen to this statement that comes out of Matthew uh, chapter 8. Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now why would they say that to him? Unless he has the power to torment them before the time. They know that Jesus is not just uh, the one who can judge them. They know that Jesus is the creator. God created everything that exists through Jesus the word. And Jesus is the judge of all creatures. Just us, but even the demons. He judges them. And so we see these, these demons, they have a doctrinal faith. They know who God is. They know who Jesus is. They know Jesus is the judge. In fact, we could say that they know that God is one God in three persons. And Jesus is the second one. They know all of these things. Second, the second element of demon faith is emotion. The demons also believe in what? What's that word out there? Shudder. In fact, it's in the present tense. They're shuddering. They are uh, emotionally upset. <laughs> they are emotional wrecks. They know these truths. And young people, you know, we think about demons having a little red skin, you know. Demons running around with little horns and everything. Their skin is standing up on end. Their knees are shaking and knocking together. They're wringing their hands and they're in fear and dread. They're emotional wrecks at what they know about God. Will they be saved? Not, not on your life. They're heaven, the, the God, Jesus tells, tells uh, his disciples that hell has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Not on your life. They're not going to be saved. So James is telling us this to say there's a faith that leads to eternal life and there's a faith that does not lead to eternal life. There's a faith that says, I know God is Father. I know God, Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. I know that Jesus Christ and God the Father are one God in three persons. There's a Holy Spirit to go along with the two of them. They know all of these things. They know who created them. They knew all these doctrinal things. In fact, they're emotional about it. But there's something deficient. There's something wrong with 
demons and their faith. What kind of faith do I have? Yesterday when we were studying with the men, I wrote this down in my site, my notes over here. It says, the real Christian will remain sincere and humble all the days of his life. So we have to examine ourselves. And the, t- the moment, the moment that we're unwilling to examine ourselves, every bell, every whistle ought to start going off in your heart. I think I've arrived. I don't think I have to examine my faith. Oh, that's a bad thing. We all need to examine our faith. That's what 2 Corinthians 13, 5 tells us. Paul says, examine yourselves to see if Christ is truly in you. And so let's think about some of these deficiencies now of demon faith. No commitment, bottom line, no commitment to Jesus. Demon faith has no personal attachment to Jesus Christ. Listen to what the demons say. What do we have to do with you, son of God? What do we have to do with you? (laughs) Man, what a statement. They don't want anything to do with Jesus. They're only having to do with Jesus because they have to do with Jesus. When they see Jesus, they have this reflex response of revulsion and loathing and disgust. Here's the problem. And one commentator put it like this. I, I put this in my notes. The demons believe that, and those who are true Christians believe in. There's a thought. They believe that God is, the, God is uh, the creator. They believe that Jesus is the second person in the Trinity. They believe that Jesus came to save sinners from their sins. But real Christians believe in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. Compare this statement. What do we have to do with you versus Simon Peter who said, Lord, to whom else shall we go? <laughs> what do we have to do with you? I don't want anything to do with you. Think about Peter, the preoccupied. Man, it's hard for me not to think about Peter. I love Peter so much. Depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man, but really I don't want you to leave me. You know, Jesus, Jesus is walking on the water and Peter gets out of the boat, walks on the water, and then he starts to sink and he says, Lord, save me. And they get back in the boat together. He's right there with Jesus. He makes all kinds of mistakes. And we have saw that, what, back months ago. Here's Peter. Here's Peter. He confesses, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus says, I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to die on the cross at the hands of the religious elite. And Peter says, Not on your life. I'm not going to let you. And he says, Get thee behind me, Satan. But he was there to be told that. In John chapter 6, the large crowds were offended at what Jesus said. And his disciples looked at him, all the disciples. I, I think one commentator believes that all of the people left. And only the twelve were left. And they're saying, will you not also walk away? And Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You're the only one who has the words of eternal life. Peter, at the very end, he falls asleep when Jesus is praying and asking God to take the cup away from him, the cross away from him. But he was there to fall asleep. He's near. He's preoccupied. He fails, he denies Jesus, and Jesus restores him privately, and Jesus restores him publicly. He was with him. He's preoccupied. What do we have to do with you? Versus, Lord, to whom shall we go? There's nobody else. Today, you are invited to the Lord's table if you have a faith that personally attaches you to Jesus Christ. Today, you have an have a opportunity to eat and drink if you have a faith that 
attaches you to, to the person of Jesus Christ who goes to the cross for you? Have you confessed your faith in Him? Do you believe that or do you believe in? You can come to the table if you believe in, in Jesus. William Borden was a son. You probably know this name. You remember William Borden, the milk producer and dairy, and dairy products and all of that. He was born in 1887. His mother became a Christian and she started taking William to church and he responded to the gospel and he became preoccupied with Jesus. And after he graduated from a really prestigious high school, he started touring the world for a summer and he saw all the needs and all the misery in the world. And he desired to be a missionary. He wrote this down in his journal. He attended Yale. I don't think it was probably called Yale University in 1887, probably Yale College. But he attended Yale and he wrote in his journal. He says, say no to self and yes to Jesus every time. And that's after he thought about the lack of fixed purpose that was going on among the faculty and the students. And so he makes it his personal desire to make sure everybody hears about Jesus at Yale College. And when he left, 1,000 of 1,300 students were attending Bible studies and prayer meetings because of one young man. He turned down numerous job offers because, I mean, think about who he is. He goes to seminary, and after his seminary, he goes to Egypt to study Arabic. He wants to be a missionary among Muslims in China. While he's in Egypt, he contracted cerebral meningitis, and he died. 25 years old. In, Bo in Borden's Bible, after he died, it was found, these words were found. His parents read these words. Number one, no reserve. These words were written after he renounced his fortune in favor of going to the mission field. No reserve. Later on, these words were found. No retreat. These words were written after his father told him he had never let him work in his company again. No retreat. And then when he found that he was going to die, he wrote, no regrets. Here's a person who's attached to Jesus Christ. Here's a person, if you said, would you waste your life? He'd say, no. No reserve. No retreat. No regrets. The Lord's table is open to every one of you. Every one of you who are personally attached to Jesus Christ. Demon faith also is deficient in this. Demon faith has no personal transformation into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Doctrinal? Yes. Emotional? Yes. But they have no transformation of their disposition. At the end of the day, they've been in Jesus' presence and they're still wicked and they're still evil and they're still full of rebellion. And personal transformation into Christ's likeness means that you have to behold Him. John tells us in John chapter 1 that they beheld His glory. Think about this. Is, this is a real person. This is like you and me. This is not a make-believe person. This person really existed. And He said, we touched Him. <laughs> we talked to Him. We looked, we beheld him, scrutinized him, evaluated him, and we saw that he was the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and glory. And they were transformed. 2 Corinthians 3.18 talks about beholding the Lord and being transformed into Christ's image. It's not a physical transformation. It's a spiritual and it's a moral transformation. Think about the Beatitudes, poor in spirit. Jesus is poor in spirit. Jesus mourned over our sins. Jesus is gentle and humble in heart and hungering and thirsting after righteousness. He's a pure in heart. He's sincere, perfectly 
sincere, perfectly, in, in perfect integrity, making peace with all, full of mercy. And that's what our hearts are to look like as we look at Jesus in the Scriptures. This all happens as the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and implants it in our hearts and in our lives. We are saved as the Holy Spirit works in us, converts us, and then the Holy Spirit begins to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. Faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit. Faith is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. And when faith is in you and the Holy Spirit is in you, you know what happens? Something has to happen because they work themselves out. Faith works itself out. The Holy Spirit working in you, working things out in you such that you do His will. According to Romans 8.29, we read, You have been chosen by God before time. Before eternal times, you've been chosen. You've been called by the gospel of Jesus Christ in time, justified by faith, and you will be glorified. But what happens between justification on the earth and glorification in heaven? What happens? Well, he tells us. He says, You've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Something happens between justification and glorification, and it's called sanctification. You're going to be transformed. Today, you're invited to the Lord's table if you're personally being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Are you being transformed? <laughs> Three steps forward, two steps back, right? Three steps forward, two steps back. But you still go a little forward. You're advancing just a little bit. Oh, sometimes we're so upset with our advancement, right? Sometimes we're not happy. We've been talking about it around here. We call it holy discontentment. I'm not quite where I want to be, but I still want to go there. Do you find anything in your life that can only be explained by the Holy Spirit at work in your heart? Not that attitude. Stop that attitude. Stop that word. Think those thoughts. Is the Holy Spirit at work in you? Is the Holy Spirit saying, there's Jesus, follow him, he's your pattern? One of the most powerful delusions of James's day and of our day is this, is to say, I believe in Jesus, but I am not becoming like Jesus. I talked to somebody the other day, and they said, I believe, but I don't see that. I believe but they're not becoming like Jesus. I am a Christian, but I'm not a practicing Christian. Right? This, is a, this is a problem. It's a delusion. All day long, people can confess and say the right words. All day long, people can confess and say the right doctrine and have a lot of emotional experiences. And they can miss Jesus Christ becoming transformed into His likeness. I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but during the first great awakening in the 1740s, many men became many men who were miners became Christians. And these miners would work in these mines and they would have donkeys that pull their carts. And they told those donkeys to go with all kinds of curse words attached. And they told their donkeys to stop with all kinds of curse words attached. And when they became Christians, they began to say go and they didn't say all the curse words. They said stop and they didn't say all the curse words and the donkeys didn't know what to do. That's called transformation. Somebody stopped them. Somebody changed them. What explains the disciples after the resurrection of Jesus? They're out there boldly preaching when they would crater and scatter and deny and all the other. They're out there preaching like bold men. 
They write letters and they're willing to die for the Lord. What, what explains that? Well, this explains it. They had been with him. He sat down with them. He showed them his hands. He showed them his feet. He showed them his side. He fed them. He opened their minds. He gave them the Holy Spirit. And the table this morning is open to all of us who are being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Well, third, the deficiency of the demons is this. Demons have no personal obedience, have no desire to be personally obedient to Jesus from a heart of love. Think about that. No desire to be obedient to Jesus from a heart of love. Remember what they said? Send us into those swine. Go. (laughs) They had to do what he said. They had to do what he said. They had to submit to him because he's the creator and he's their judge and they had to obey him. They had to obey him because he's more powerful than they are, but they didn't obey him from a heart of love. They didn't do it willingly. And the Bible teaches us that faith is a gift from God and when it comes into our hearts, it expresses itself in love. Galatians 5, 6 says that faith will express itself in love. And Jesus tells us, we love, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. In 1 John 2, 3 and 4, it says, that, says this, By this we know that we have come to know him. How, can we come to know, how do we know that we've come to know him? If you keep my commandments, do you keep his commandments? Verse 4 says this, the one who says, I have come to know him, does not keep his commandments. Are you ready for this? Let me read it again. The one who says, I have come to know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar. Man, that's not supposed, you're not supposed to preach like that in today's times, are you? You're not supposed to say stuff like that. Well, that's what John says. He does not say, listen, I know all about Jesus. I know all about the Creator. I know all about redemption. I know all about sin and confessing my sin. I know how to answer all the questions. But if you're not obeying, liar. Not backslider. Not non-practicing believer. Liar. If you pray thy will be done and you don't do God's will, John says, liar. Now, do I have real faith? Real faith. Real faith says I will obey Jesus from a heart of love. It, I'm not telling, I'll, I'll make a little caveat here. It doesn't mean it's always easy. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard. But we will choose to love and obey Jesus from a heart of love. And so this morning as we come to the Lord's table, examine your heart. Ask yourself, do I have the faith of a demon or do I have true saving faith? Faith of demons is doctrinal, knows a lot of stuff. Maybe emotional, but there's these deficiencies. And if you come right now and you realize that you don't have the safe that attaches you to Jesus Christ, then you need to fall on your face. I haven't had anybody take me up on that before. I've had one person do it. Fall on your face and ask God to save you to attach you to Jesus Christ, to give you this desire to be transformed and to obey Him from a heart of love. And don't get up from praying until you have a new heart. This morning the table's for all of you who have a relationship. Doctrinal, yeah, great. Emotional, but you're attached. You're attached. You're preoccupied like Peter. 
You're attached. You want to obey. You want to look like Jesus in your heart. No, we're not going to look like Jesus in our faces and all. And you are committed. Well, the words of institution this morning come to us from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. The Apostle Paul writes these words, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Have you confessed your faith in Christ? Are you a baptized believer? Have you placed membership in a church where you're under a session of elders and you're accountable to Christ, the government of Christ's church? Today the table is for you. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Jesus said, my flesh is true food. And Jesus says, my blood is true drink. Come and take. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you at this moment, at this table, and have a fellowship time with Jesus Christ. We thank you that we can renew our love with Jesus even as he offers himself to us. He says, I love you. Today we have an opportunity to take this bread and this wine and say, I love you in return. To re-ratify uh, the covenant that you've made with us, re-ratify our love for you as you re-ratify your love. And so, Father, we eat and we drink today to the glory of our good, we pray. Help us to turn away from any sin. Help us to be those who have a true commitment to you. Personally attached to you. Loving you with obedient hearts. We praise you for it. Set these elements apart now from the common sake.